Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, hello, all of my beautiful freaking people. Welcome back to another episode of FML Talk. Today, we are taking a deep dive into self-fucking-worth. So get ready, grab a fucking cocktail, and welcome to FML Talk. Oh my god. Wait, how old was the other girl? 19, can you believe that shit? Hey, this is Gabrielle Stone. Good book. I did not in chapter 6 yet. <gasps> he did what? 48 hours? What a dick. Yeah, but have you seen all the photos on her Instagram? And this is FML Talk. Oh no, she didn't. Y'all, my guest today is going to share so much fucking wisdom with you guys. Michelle Chalfont is here to chat with us today. She runs a program called The Adult Chair that has just taken off and all of her healing work and tips and tricks are so incredibly valuable. We are going to talk self-worth today, how to get it, how to build upon it, how important it is. We are going to get into setting boundaries and how to enforce them. We are going to touch on codependency, what it means to be codependent, how to rectify being codependent and step into a more healthy way of existing. And last but not least, diving deep into healing with your inner child, which I have talked about before and you know how freaking important it is. So this is going to be a really great beginner's guide to healing. So get ready. Let's dive in. Michelle Chalfant, welcome to FML Talk. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here with you. Yes, I I love the work that you do and the content that you put out. So I'm so excited to dive in. I know that my FMLers are going to get a lot from all of your knowledge. But can we start with you just kind of giving us a little bit of background on how you came to be doing this type of work? Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm going to try to like narrow it way down for you. Okay. Highlight reel. (laughs) I'm going to give you the highlight reel because it could be like, okay. So basically, um, let me let me just condense it way down. So I uh, grew up in upstate New York in a family that was what I thought was healthy, but actually wasn't exactly healthy. And I think as kids, we grow up, we think that's just our norm, right? Like that's just what all families are like. And but by the time I was in high school, I was doing, I was drinking a lot. I was getting high all the time. Just thought about, well, all my friends are doing, isn't that kind of normal? And what I know now that I didn't know then is that I was struggling with depression, but what we would call functional depression. So I was, you know, I had a boyfriend, I had friends, I was partying, I was doing all the things and I looked normal, but inside I really did not like who I was. In fact, I hated myself. I thought about suicide a few times. Um, I lived with a lot of anxiety. But back then there were not terms for this. Like nobody talked, like everybody now talks about these things back then, nobody talked about it. So I kind of suffered, I did suffer in silence and didn't even know what it was. So I went on for, you know, undergrad and then master's degree and I'm getting my master's degree. I'm like, oh my God, like, this is what I've been struggling with. Like, this is it. It has been depression. It's been anxiety, codependency, all of these things. And, uh, I remember going home from college one time for like a long weekend and I, I just kept crying. And my mom's like, what are you crying for? I'm like, I don't even know. And I realized like, he's like, that's depression. You know, this is clearly depression. And I also wasn't eating. I had a little stint with not even eating. I just started starving myself. Like I've done, been through a lot of things in my early, earlier years, for sure. Went to the psychiatrist and this is back then, again, there were, this is like in the late eighties, nineties. So there were no therapists on every corner. There were no coaches. It was like, oh, you have to go to the therapist or the psychiatrist. So I went and he said, oh yeah, you're depressed. Here's your Prozac. You know, I was like, oh wait, but can I talk to you about my family? So I tried Prozac for three or four days. And again, I want to just say I'm not anti-meds, but I do believe that there are so many other things to try before we jump into the meds, like try that first is my theory. 
that was my feeling even way back when. But I said, you know what? I am suffering. Let me just try these. I had massive headaches. So I went off. And in that moment, I remember it was in my early, probably 22 years old, maybe. And I said to myself, you know, the way I talk to myself in my head must, it tells me that I hate myself. So if I can learn how to love myself, then perhaps I'll feel better. And I remember thinking like, this is, this is exactly the path I need to get myself on. So it started then, you know, I was already getting a master's in counseling and I just went on. And I mean, when I tell you, I read every book I could get my hands on and I was always really spiritual. I always loved energy medicine and meditation and all of those things. So I read those books and I also read the traditional counseling and therapy kind of books. And I did this for many years. I studied under some really great mentors um, and many teachers out there. And then it was probably about 10 years ago when it all kind of came together and I was sitting in a workshop and someone was doing the, my teacher was doing chair, chair work. And she had these chairs in front of me and I had done chair work. I didn't inner child work before, but it was in that moment. I realized, I said, you know what? I like how she's breaking this down. And what occurred to me was in that moment, it's not just self-love. We're all learning how to be emotionally healthy adults. And it was in that moment, I said, this is what I, at this point, I really done so much healing. I was feeling so much better, but that was when it dawned on me. It's even more than self-love. It's like, what's the benchmark for healthy adult living? And, and I said, and I feel like I'm getting there so much already. And now it's my turn to start sharing it with the whole world. So that's what it did. That was about 10, 10 years ago. And that was again, the birth of the adult chair model. And I took this model and just have, you know, I started a podcast based on the adult chair and started doing live events. And it just has just, it's blown up. I mean, because I realized we all want to learn how to be health, healthy adults. Cause what is the benchmark? Like who's to say this is healthy and this is healthy, you know, we base it on friendships or our family that oftentimes is a dysfunctional in some way family. So, yeah, so that is, that is what I do today. And I have a, um, the podcast and live events and I now I have an adult chair coaching program because so many people have asked me, I want to work with you, Michelle. I want you to teach me. So I said, I got to teach other people how to do what I do. So that is, that is the abbreviated version to how I got to who, where I am today. I love that. That's amazing. Um, so let's like start digging into the different things that you kind of teach in, in the adult chair. And let's start with building self-worth because I think that that is such, I don't want to say a problem, a struggle maybe for people, um, to really start, you know, recognizing shit. Maybe I don't have enough self-worth a and then b once you've recognized that how the fuck do you go about like building that up yeah. in yourself and not seeking validation from others um so let's talk a little yeah, bit about for that sure um one of the things that i always um i don't have a private practice anymore obviously but um when i did one of the things that i love doing with my clients and i was i would sit with them i really did this i'd sit with them on the floor and I had a Himalayan salt lamp that was crushed in these big pieces like this. And I would dump it out on the floor and I'd sit across from them and I go, tell me who you think you are. Just tell me everything. So, and I would take one little stone and I would put it in between us and I'd say, okay, from I'm an interior decorator to I'm married or I'm single to I love pizza. And I'd say, break it way down. So that's where we start building self-worth. And what I realize is people have these lofty expectations about who we are and how we should feel worthy. So I break it way down. So I build a foundation. So we go with the basics like, okay, do you like to cook or do you not like to cook? Oh yeah, I love to cook. That's something that builds up your sense of self, your sense of worth. That's part of who you are. Oh, it is, you know, we mm. discount it. People go, well, that's not important. Well, yes, it is. It makes up who you are. It is a big thing. It is important. Mm. So that is for starters. So if, again, if you're not sitting with another person, you can make a list of who am I? So at the top of the page, who am I? And you start listing those things one by one by one and write as much as you can. The next thing that you do is you start looking at throughout your day, anything good that you do or that happens to you in a given day. We discount again, so many things that we do. So I say to people, do you make your bed? Well, yeah, of course I make my bed. Well, do you do you pat yourself on the back for that? Like, oh wow, you know, I make my bed. I make my bed. Well, great. What is? Well, I got my kids to school on time. 
I showed up for work on time. Those are really, really important things. So again, this is about self-worth is about really building the self and the self-identity. So we do that, we catch the good things. You know, when you were checking out at the grocery store, did you did you engage with a cashier? Were you friendly? Well, yeah, of course I was. You know, everybody is. No, they're not. You know, do you do you pat yourself on the back for that? I'm like, oh yeah, yes, yeah. you know, that and how did it feel to talk to so and so? Oh, that felt really good. Take it in. And it's so much more than taking it in what I call chin up. We want to bring it down below the chin and really feel in the body. What does it feel like that you're responsible? What does it feel like that you're friendly? And that's where we really start to shift is when we're just doing these simple little things throughout the day. Mm. And when you said making that initial list, does it need to be uh, only a list of things that have to do with you solely you or can it be something, you know, like, I mean, I'm married, that's technically involving someone else. Is it supposed to just focus exactly on things that are just you? The things that you're involved in. So I'm in a family. It doesn't just have to, yeah, it's all of those things. Okay. Really sorting for the good. Another thing that I add to this, and this is, again, it's a practice. So it's, it's doing all of these things and it builds on itself. Another thing that I love doing with people is I offer them micro moments, micro moments of gratitude throughout the day, because we want to start rewiring the brain. So you don't have to sit for an hour, but can you do one minute? Because people go, well, I don't want to, I don't have time. Well, no, no, no. So I say, can you do 10 minutes a day of gratitude, but I'd like you to do it for one minute at a time throughout the day. And people go, of course I can do that. Great. So one for one minute, you sit and I set timers on my phone. So I'll go, okay, let me just look around what's in front of me right now. Like, okay, I'm looking out the window. I love that tree. Sit and drop below the chin and feel how much you love looking at that tree every single day. Feel it, feel it, feel it. That starts to change things, not only in the body, but of course, also in the brain. So all of these things, they build on each other to start changing self-worth and then how we feel about ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then once you've built this self-worth, because I know a, a lot of the women that read my books and DM me on online will often talk about, you know, I have trouble demanding my self-worth. Like I, I'll build it up and I'll know that it's there, but then someone will do something to disrespect me and I know that I deserve more than that. So how do you enforce your self-worth and demand that from others? We learn how to witness thoughts because you probably know this. We get 90, we have 90,000 up to 90,000 thoughts a day and so many of them are negative thoughts. So many of them are just egoic yeah. thoughts floating through. Summer is here and life is not slowing down for us anytime soon. One of the things we have continuously relied on making our lives so much easier is factor meals. No prep, no mess, no cleanup meals. I have really been off the wagon with my eating since having my son and for my health, my wellness, and my mental sanity, I have been switching my dinners to more healthy options from factor. They have 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, so I never get bored. And Tay is continuously shocked every time he sits down to eat one because they are so freaking tasty. They have breakfast, lunches, dinners, and desserts. It's a treat to have restaurant-quality food that is so easy to prepare and doesn't come with the insane Postmates bill. Head to factormeals.com slash FMLtalk50 and use code FMLtalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code FMLtalk50 at factormeals.com slash FMLtalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Enjoy, FMLers. We really have to learn how to witness those thoughts, let the thoughts go. And one way that we can do that is to start practicing meditation. Again, can you meditate for five minutes a day, three minutes a day? It's like going to the gym and building a muscle. You start getting in the habit Mm -hmm. or the practice of learning how to witness thoughts. So when you're meditating, it's like letting those clouds go by or like an assembly line, you're just watching things go by. So we don't want to engage in those thoughts, first of all, and we don't want to even pay attention to them. But again, it takes practice to do that. Secondly, I challenge those thoughts when they come in and I'll say, wait a minute, this is the one of the things that we do from the adult chair, which is the healthiest version of self, is we ask ourselves, is that true? You know, is it 
a hundred percent true. And when you ask that question, it's a game changer because we oftentimes or most of the time live from story and assumption. So we'll say, yes, of course it's true mm -hmm. because blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, wait, what's 100% true in this very moment? When you ask yourself that question, the story starts to fall away and then you have your truth. And all of a sudden, all the, all the, ne the, ne the negativity or the bad feelings around it, they just sort of fade away and they fall off. But we've got to t sit in the commander seat or in the captain chair and really start taking charge of our lives from this, again, this healthy adult perspective instead of, and it's a conscious place to live versus living unconsciously and reactionary. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so much easier said than done. When you talk about meditation, I, I do meditate, um, but I have a problem with quieting my mind. I mean, anytime I'm doing anything, I have a fucking problem quieting my mind. Um, so let's say people are sitting down to meditate and they, you know, my favorite to do is like an Abraham Hicks 15 minute, you know, deep breathing meditation. Um, what's a trick that you have to get your mind to shut the fuck up? <laughs> I love that question because we're not supposed to get our mind to shut the fuck up. <laughs> It's learning. How well, then good. I'm doing something right. You're doing it right <laughs> for sure. Instead, it's about witnessing those thoughts. It's putting a space in between you and the thought. We are not our thoughts. And we get lost mm. in thoughts and they take us down the drain instead of going, wait a minute. I had to practice this a lot today. For some reason, I had a lot of thoughts coming in. I'm like, what is going on? So there are two ways to do this. Number one is we is we put the thought at bay. We go, wait a minute. So I remember saying to my clients, can you see that thought up on the wall? See it on the wall, push it out further, make it smaller, play with those. They're just letters that come together that are words and then you're giving it meaning. So when we meditate, mm. we push back and we go, wait a minute, oh, there's a thought. There's another thought. Meditation is not about stopping thought. However, when we practice meditation, there's what they call the gap that is in between those thoughts that can get bigger and bigger and bigger. So there's more silence built in, but we're never just sitting without any thought if we're in, if we are in a meditation. You will, you will always have thought. Oh, okay, great. That makes me feel so much better about what I've been trying to force myself to get to in my meditation. Um, so I talk a lot to my listeners about doing work with your inner child when you get to a specific trauma or subconscious belief that you need to go back and talk to your little child at that age to try and, you know, ease some of that pain or hurt or whatever emotion came along with that trauma. Um, what type of work do you do as far as the inner child is concerned? Yeah, that's a huge part of the adult share because it's really the foundation. So many of us, we have lost touch to that inner child part. And the inner child is all about true emotions, true emotional needs. So things like I need a hug or I think I need to hear someone tell me that I'm loved, things like that you know, vulnerability, intimacy, passion, spontaneity, all of those things are in the inner child. So when someone comes in and they start sharing with me, I'm, I need passion or I'm not very vulnerable, immediately I know it's inner child work. So I'll just ask them, you know, can you close your eyes if it's comfortable and just imagine this little you, zero to six at some age between zero to six, who's sitting next to you or, or in front of you or standing there what happens? Do you see that person? And for, and for people that are not visual, you just might hear words or you might sense another little human being standing in front of you. So you just get a sense of who that is. And I love to just ask that little part of me, little Michelle, I'd say, you know, what do you, so what's going on? At first I introduce myself because oftentimes I don't even know who we are. So I'll say, this mm. is the grown up version of you. You know, I've come back to, I'm come back in time to to visit you and I want to meet you and to get to know you. And then I'll say, you know, how are you? What are you feeling? What's going on? And then I'll ask, what do you need? And I just build this dialogue with this little me. And sometimes they're angry. Sometimes they're thrilled to see us. And you just go with whatever shows up in front of you. But what I have found after doing this for almost 30 years now is eventually, even if that little you is upset, they will come around. I've never worked with someone where that little inner child did not come around and where they're not blissed out to, to be with you. So it might take a little time, you know, yeah. but 
It's powerful, powerful work. Has there ever been a time when you've been doing this, like with your own inner child, where one specific age continuously comes back up that you've really had to like revisit and work through to heal a certain part of yourself? Yes. Um, age five, for some reason, age five, or it's like between five and six, just continued to pop up for me. It's interesting because when I thought about it, when I started doing this, this work, my sister was born five and a half years after me. So I was like, oh, I think it had a lot. Mm. The whole, you know, the house changed when my sister walked in the door. And I remember not, not sure when my mom walked her in the door. I didn't like her in the beginning because everything changed, you know? So um, yeah, I did a lot yeah. of work around five years old for some reason, a lot of work around that five to six. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me. My dad passed pretty tragically um, when I was six. I walked in and found him lying on the floor from a heart attack. Uh, and every inner child thing that I do is like, oh, six years old, six years old. <laughs> so it usually, it's like going back to those really pivotal times in our life. And I've done a lot of work with teenage Gabrielle too, because there was a lot of strife around there that I needed to let go of and a lot of like, fuck the, you know. yeah the the higher ups and the um the what's the authority there we go um and so i've done a lot of work with that too but i think it's so it's a new concept sometimes for people to get quiet with themselves and go back and have this kind of visualization where you're talking to a younger version of yourself but it can be so incredibly powerful on people's healing journeys and really help open up so many doors because people will be like, okay, well, I'm doing this and I'm doing this and I'm doing this, but I'm not getting the results I want. This isn't changing. And I still feel shitty. And it's because, well, yeah, your six-year-old little girl is still inside kicking and screaming, going, what the fuck? I'm not okay. Someone fucking help me. Definitely. It's funny that you say that. Um, I talk about this in my live events. I have this 12-year-old. It's I called her Feral Michelle <laughs> because... <laughs> it's a great story if i can share it with you it was like it you was please. profound for me so i you know and here's the thing to tell all of your listeners if you have that voice inside that is yelling at you that is getting angry one of the things that i love to do that's built into the adult chair is parts work so i love you know i've learned over 30 years of doing this again I turn toward the part of me that's pissed off, that's angry, that's yelling, that's screaming. So, gosh, it was probably, again, 10 years ago or so, but I was working with this. There's a part of me, I was like, where's the negative self-talk coming today? It was so bad. And I sat down, closed my eyes and said, who's talking? And it was this version of me who was 12 years old. Her hair was like in her face. She's drooling, snots coming out of her nose. She was all dirty, her clothes were torn, and she was um, next to a river. You know, in, um, what is it? Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit? Um, what's the name? Who's yeah. the little guy? Um, oh, yes, oh Schmeagol. <laughs> okay, so that's who she reminded me of. And I walked into the scene as the person I am today, and I walked into the scene, and my, my eyes were closed, and I walked up, and there she was, and she came running up to me. And she was chained to this tree next to this river. And she was like, fuck you. I fucking hate you. And she's screaming at me and spitting in my face. And she stopped this far away from me. And I said, oh, my God. I said, what is going on? And she's like, I fucking hate your guts. And she's, I mean, every square word, scream, 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 spitting in my face, dirty, disgusting. And I was like, hey. And I looked at her. And she was like about maybe a foot away from me. She couldn't get any closer because she was chained to this tree by her ankle. And I said, I want, I, I want you to know something. I didn't even know why she was pissed. And I said, I love you. I just want you to know I am so sorry for whatever happened to you, but I love you. I'm the grown-up version of you. I am however old I was. And I said, I love you. And I'll be back tomorrow to see you. She goes, fuck you. I don't want you to come back. And I said, well, I'm coming back. So I, you know, I got out of that, came back the next day. Anyway, I went in every day for about a week, it took me. And every day that I went back, Mm. she was a little cleaner and not as pissed. So the next day I went back, like her hair was like a little bit better. She wasn't so dirty. Um, She wasn't spitting, you know, every day. Then she wasn't spitting. The next day she was still saying, fuck you, Michelle, and all this. By the third day, though, she was just like, 
I hate you. And I was like, I get it. I'm sorry. And I did, again, you don't even need to know the context. What I wanted to do was to show up for her and just say, I'm here. Because think about little yeah. kids. Think about you with your dad, yeah. right? Wouldn't it be nice to have somebody there to say, I am here with you. I'm so sorry yeah. this is happening. Let me yeah. console you. Let me be here with you. And so I don't need to know from this 12-year-old, you know, I don't need to know why she's pissed and why she hates me. I just kept showing up saying, I'm here with you. I've got you. And I want to be back tomorrow. So anyway, by the, like the fifth day, she was not angry anymore. Her hair was done. And on the very last day I showed up and it was this little girl, there was no chain anymore. And she was standing there and she was like five. And she was in this like Easter Sunday little dress. And she was lovely, this beautiful little girl. And I was like, oh my God, like that was over like a mask that was overlaying this little five-year-old, like this little innocent part of me, which is exactly what happens. You know, the ego yeah. perspective comes in, the ego comes in and builds these characters or these masks or costumes that we wear, but underneath is love. So that's why no matter who shows up, I always look at them and I go, I don't care. I love you. I love you no matter what. And it, that's what changes those parts. That's what changes those parts. So it was, that was some of the most profound work that I ever did with my little girl. I've done a lot of work with the inner child, but that one, I was blown away at what happens when you keep showing up and you say, I love you. And there's an, I didn't judge that little part. I just showed up and was present and it transformed her. And that voice was gone. That's what's so cool. Wow. The voice was gone. That's fucking amazing. Feral <laughs> Michelle. I love that so much. That's incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, my mom is a is a world healer um, and Claire uh, audience channel, and she does tons of work with the inner child, and it's so freaking powerful. And it's usually the one really important piece that people are missing in their their healing work or their healing process. Um, so I want to get into when you when you said earlier when you were in college and you realized you were becoming codependent. Can you give us a really clear definition of what codependency is because I think a lot of people misconstrue what it means to have codependency codependency or be codependent. Um, and then I want to talk about steps to healing yeah, codependency. Sure. Um, in a nutshell, codependency is to say it like this. I'm okay only if you're okay. Like to really break it down. Like mm. that's what it is. It's like I don't feel okay on the inside emotionally unless you are and you are and all these people outside of me. So codependency is when our identity is built outside of self and it's based on other. So my emotional state is based on other. My identity is based on other. So what we want to do is to bring, and so our energy is going from self outside. It's like, it, it's, it's outside of us. We want to learn how to take our energy and bring it back to self. So what we want to do is a lot of what I do with the self-worth is the same thing that I would do with codependency. But one of the first things that I do is, is teach people that codependency is an addiction to helping slash fixing slash whatever you want to call it others. It's an addiction. Uh, underneath it all, again, because I don't have a sense of self, I'm, I'm always looking outward. So what we want to do is to learn how to stop fixing. And we do that by feeling the emotions that are coming up when I don't fix, when I don't help, when I haven't been asked to help. And that's hard. It's going through, we go through withdrawal. It's like going through a detox. So I ask my people that are codependent, like, wait until you're asked to help. And then they have these, this, this awareness, like, oh my God, no one ever asked me. I'm just there all the time. I'm like, I know, right? Like, <sighs> I know you need to be asked. I remember I was talking to a friend of mine many years ago and she called me and she says, Hey, what are you doing today? And I said, nothing. I said, what are you doing today? She goes, Oh, I got to take my car in. And I said to her, so what time do you want me to pick you up? I'll come pick you up at, you know, when you drop it off for an oil change or whatever she was doing. And she started laughing at me. And she goes, I said, what's so funny? And she goes, I didn't even ask you. She goes, I love your codependency. And I'm like, Ugh! and I was working on it, you know, and I'd asked my friends and that's the other thing I do. I tell people, ask close friends and family that get this concept to help you and to point out when you're being codependent. Cause I didn't know I, I needed, yeah. and I'd say to my friends, I need a reality check. Cause I don't know even when I'm doing it. Like there were, and then I, and then when they would say to me, this mm -hmm. is co codependent. Oh, wow. 
So then I'd have to sit in agony, and it was agony in the beginning, of if my friend were to call me again and say I'm dropping my car off, not saying to her, oh, let me come and I can pick, I can pick, pick you up at three or whatever. I would just sit with my mouth shut. Oh, my God, that is the hardest thing to do because it was so hard yeah. for me. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to vomit. Like, I need to I need to say it. And then we start learning how again how to there there are emotions under there that we have to feel you know right so there's feeling the emotions and a lot of times a lot of times people think that it's only in a relationship that you can be codependent but it's with friendships it's with family it's like any relationship dynamic at at all anybody at all does not have to be just in a you know a relationship no absolutely anybody and it's really learning yeah. how to catch yourself. Like now I catch myself and I would ask my kids, I remember when they were, when they lived at home, I was like, is this codependent or caring? Here's what I want to say to you, you know, blah, 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 blah. And they go, coda. And I'm like, okay, damn it. Or caring, coda or caring, coda or caring, coda or caring. I'm like, damn it. Okay. So it's a learning experience, but I, once you learn, you start to get it. Once you get a reality check, like, oh wait, that's coda again. Okay. Bam. Let me, let me have a different thought or let me not speak up. Let me wait for the ask and sit in the emotions and the uncomfortableness around it. That is so incredibly healing again. And then I do the self-worth work because we don't know who we are without helping other. So it's like, I got to build up now my self-worth because I have no idea who I am. Right. Okay. So it's really about like identifying the fact that you're doing it, asking for the people in your life to call you on it and then recognizing what emotions are sitting underneath that surface. But I, you know, and I say, yes, call me on it, but it was hard to hear. So I would say, and I would say to everybody, and this was a boundary. It's not like, listen, can you gently guide me (laughs) because, or gently point out some people would be like, you're in your coda. I'm like, you know, but they would say, just want to share with you, you know, this sounds like codependency. I'm just letting you know. I'm like, oh, thank you. I'm like, well, can you help me? Like, what else could I do? Because I literally would sit there like 15 years ago and go, well, no, it's not. Like, I'm a very caring person. And they're like, yeah, but I didn't ask or so-and-so didn't ask. And you really got involved without anybody ever asking. I'm like, oh, crap. Okay. So it's gentle. Right, right. Yeah. It's so interesting because I, okay, so I had um, last season, I had a guest on. Her name is Terry Cole. I don't know if you're familiar with her. Yeah, yeah, I know Terry. Um, so we were, we were talking. I adore her. We were talking and I was talking to her about, you know, that I get such an influx of messages from my readers and my listeners and I feel responsible for answering every single one of them. And she was like, basically, you're psychotic and you're a high functioning codependent. And I was like what's what's a high functioning codependent um and she was like you really like are stretching yourself way too thin to try and please and people please everybody else when you don't even know them instead of really pro- protecting yourself and putting yourself first at the forefront and I was like oh my god I didn't even know that was the thing and also oh my god my mother is a yes. high functioning codependent like oh, 100% yeah. <laughs> um and it was about recognizing that and being aware of it to then start to make steps to change that and it's really difficult oh, I'm still working on it's it every day I'm working on it. it's hard it's really hard because it's our way of life we don't know that there's a different way of life yeah. honestly we have no idea yeah. Um, oh God. Okay. So much good stuff already. I love it, Michelle. Um, so talk to me about four steps of getting unstuck because I know, I mean, I know myself get stuck in life where I literally feel like I'm no matter what I do, I'm just like hitting this brick wall and continuously like walking into the wrong room. And so many other people go through that too. So what are your what's your guide to helping people get unstuck? Um, And I do love this question, honestly, but when people come to me and they'll say, you know, I'm so stuck on this or that. Okay. What exactly are you stuck on? Very, you got to get very, very, very specific and not be general about it. So for example, um, if I'm out with my friends um, and I need to set a boundary with my friend, let's say, because they, they, you know, if, I, if, if someone came to me and said, well, I think I need to set a boundary with my friend because they're really rude to me. Get really specific about it. What does that, what does rude mean? Well, they put me down. So right. this, is, this is what I mean by getting specific. They put me down when we are in groups and they make me feel you know what so part two is then what do you feel so the first part is they put me down in groups or they throw me under the bus or they belittle me whatever it might be 
So that's really clear about what's going on. And then I say, okay, sit with that. What does that feel like to you? So you, in order to create change with people, you've got to go into the emotional body because I can sit all day long and talk to you about something and even think about it. So I'm either talking to you and it goes mind to mind, or I'm thinking about it in my own mind and it goes back and forth like a ping pong game. Well, should I do this or should I do that? Maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. Nothing's going to change. But when you drop in, into the emotional body and feel it, the energy of emotion drives us forward. Does that mm. make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So then you want to think about, okay, so this is what I feel. Now you think about this. What will my life be like after if I'm not stuck? So let's say after I set a boundary with this friend, what will my life be like maybe at dinner parties? So then you imagine that. So you think to yourself, well, you know, I'll be much more calm. I'll be comfortable after I set this boundary with this person. Um, I'm not going to feel so upset when I have to go in groups with this person, et cetera, et cetera. So then you think about, okay, so I like that outcome. So the last step is then what are the action steps that I'm going to take in order to make sure that I set this boundary with this person? So there are four really clear steps that you take in order to get unstuck, but we've really got to engage the body. And again, honestly, like emotions to me, go back to that inner child. You could certainly do inner child work around this as well. Like what is coming up for you? Because yeah. what we do instead is, you know, we'll be upset about something or I'm stuck and I'll call you and I go, oh my gosh, can you believe that this happened? And then you go, yeah, I can't believe that happened. And again, it's this mental ping pong game that you and I do instead of what, you know, how does that make you feel like, how can we get you unstuck? What will it be like when you're not stuck? So really, we're, we're like expanding our perspective on it instead of being really small minded about it. Mm, I love that. Yeah, 100%. Um, and since you bring up boundaries, which I talk about a lot, and I know a lot of people struggle with, um, what is the best way to A, set a boundary, and then B, make sure it's enforced if it's then disrespected yeah. or crossed? I think people need to understand what a boundary is, and we get very confused because people think yeah. boundaries are confrontation. Boundaries are not confrontation. Mm. The a boundary can be a confrontation, but not necessarily. Healthy boundaries simply teach other people how we want to be treated. So we first need to get really clear on what I call, what is my internal boundary state? And inside, so I always think about when I set a boundary, think about like a hula hoop around you, okay? So inside of the hula hoop would be all my ideas, my values, my morals, um, and all my beliefs of self and other. So that's inside this hula hoop. Now, if someone bumps into the hula hoop, it means they're, uh-oh, something's coming into my boundary. Someone's saying something or doing something that is in direct conflict with one of my beliefs, values, morals, or ideas. So that means I gotta open up this hula hoop and then I set an, what I call then an external boundary. So I'm going outside of self and speaking up or taking action in order to help myself feel seen and heard. So does that really i want to make sure that that makes a lot of sense to you because that to me it's like the hula hoop analogy yeah. i love because it's like i'm going to open up the hula hoop speak and close but again just like everything yeah. that we've talked about i don't believe that anyone can just set a boundary and speak up for self if you don't have um healthy self-worth you're not going to set a boundary you're not going right. to do it because right. think about it like this in a, a jewelry store the most expensive diamonds and jewels have an alarm system on them, right? Because they're valuable, that's a boundary. So if I don't feel good about myself on the inside, it's gonna be very difficult for me in order to speak up and set a boundary. So I always go to self-worth first before I even teach people how to set boundaries. But a boundary is very simple. It can be spoken where I'm just saying, hey, you know, I just wanted to, to let you know, when you said that, we were out to dinner the other night in front of everybody, it made me feel really uncomfortable. Could you not do that again, please? Done. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Or a boundary can also be uh, maybe lessening the amount of time that I spend at Thanksgiving because my uncle's always drunk and he makes me feel uncomfortable. So I might only go for an hour and then I leave. That's a boundary. I don't even have to say anything to, to anybody, but I'm going to just go for an hour and leave. Or it just might be, no, I can't come to the party, but thank you anyway. So it, it doesn't have to be a very long statement. And I always say to people, stay out of the weeds, which means don't get into these long ex explanations and apologies. 
it's very simple and straight like hey thanks so much but i can't today maybe next week period instead of oh my god i'm so mm -hmm. sorry i know you that you invited me before and let me tell you why i can't come da, 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 da. no not necessary so it's a simple statement yeah. simple clear yeah. quick and so if we have a boundary for example, that's in a relationship, like let's say that you're in a marriage and you've said, look, um, when you uh, go out drinking with your friends and make inappropriate jokes, it makes me uncomfortable. And like, this is now a boundary of mine. Like, please like, don't do that anymore. What happens then if your partner crosses that boundary? How is that how do you deal with that? How do you enforce that? Because I feel all the time that, you know, you can set boundaries till the fucking cows come home. But if they're not enforced, then people are like, well, yeah, there's a there's a line in the sand. But like, I can cross that shit whenever I want. <laughs> exactly. You're so right. You have to have a consequence. It's no different than working like if you have a child or a toddler that's like throwing food in a restaurant. If you say if you do that again, we're going to leave. You got to right. leave when they throw the food across the restaurant. So if you're making a, if you're making a boundary, setting a boundary um, in your relationship, you have to be ready to have a consequence. So if they violate that boundary, what's the consequence? Is it I'm sleeping in the, in the other room or I'm not going to go on with you like this unless we go to marriage counseling or if you do that again, I'm leaving. I don't know what, you know, it's, it's, it's a unique thing to each person, but there yeah. has to be a consequence, has to be a consequence. So like with my own husband, I'll tell you, like my nervous system is so sensitive. I'm an empath. I feel things from people all around the room. I don't like to go to sleep with someone if they've been drinking a lot. So my husband knows mm. this. If you've been drinking, so I set a boundary with them. What I would find is if he were out with his friends, he'd come home. And I'd be in bed completely sober. Guess what? I can't sleep the whole night because he's freaking. And again, he's doing nothing inappropriate. He's just sleeping. He's doing nothing inappropriate. My nervous system goes into overdrive if, if that's mm. in bed with me, if that energy is in bed with me. So I said to him, listen, I don't care if you go out and drink. You know, you don't have a drinking problem by any means. But for me, I need you to sleep in the other room if you're going to go out and drink because I can't sleep if you're in bed with me. He's like, oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing. Of course. Yes, I'll do that. Fine. And there were a couple of times where he came home and I was already asleep and he got in bed. I'm like, maybe I wasn't clear. And I said, get the fuck out of bed. Yeah, right. <laughs> and he goes, well, I'd only had three or I only had so-and-so and I split a bottle of wine. I'm like, no, no, no. Let me be clear with you. I don't want you in bed. He's like, oh, okay. Got it. I was like, let me be a hundred percent crystal clear. Maybe I wasn't crystal clear before. And he goes, oh, yeah, I got it now. So he got it. And that was it. Now there's no discussion about it. He'll say to me, like, and I'll, I'll see, like he went out with my brother-in-law the other night and they went up to watch um, the basketball games and he was getting his toothbrush and everything out of the bathroom. And I said, what are you doing? He goes, I'm gonna sleep in the guest room because we're going out tonight to watch the games. I was like, oh, cool, thank you. Like, yeah, it's not an issue. But also when you set a boundary, when anybody sets a boundary, you've got to be crystal clear and grounded in your energy when you speak it. There's no... Yeah you know, would you mind sleeping in the other room? You know, I wasn't like that. I was like, here's what's true for me. This, mm -hmm. this, and this, and I need you to sleep in the other room. He's like, okay, great. If I'm wishy-washy in any way, and I'm not clear for myself and confident in what I'm saying, that person in front of me is going to push back and they're going to poke holes in me. They're going to poke holes yeah. in boundaries. So I got to be clear and solid. And, and being able to do that in a grounded strong way goes back to self-worth so basically what we're saying in this episode is that it all comes back to self-worth and that's like really the key to where it all starts on wherever your healing journey is and i think you know like self-worth self-love do you feel that that's interchangeable i do and for me my journey i think i told you in the beginning like my journey was about you know i had such negative ruminating self-talk i'm like what the hell is going on here with the self-talk like i hate myself and I started out with self-love, it morphed into self-worth and it does in a way they sort of, they're not exactly the same. They sort of braid together to me. It's like a big French braid, you know, because. Yeah. Oh, I love that analogy. You know? <laughs> yeah, they, they kind of go like this, you know, self-worth is more my identity and self-love is how I treat myself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and I mm -hmm. found that in doing the inner child work, um, I started and then I then I moved over into so 
the whole adult chair mo model has three chairs. So we got the child chair, the adolescent chair, which is the ego, and then the adult chair, which is the healthiest version of self. But when I got to this egoic part of myself, I started learning about what all these, where, where the hell are these voices coming from inside my head? They're all fragments of the ego, whether it be my perfectionist self, my people pleaser, my codependent, my inner critic. So we want to turn toward those parts, get to know them, then guess what? The voices change. So the more I got to know these parts of self and included in that is, of course, the inner child, all my voices started to go away. They got quieter. Mm. It's not to say that they don't come up now. They certainly still do, but nothing like, like they did you know, all those years ago. But if they come up now, I'll stop what I'm doing. I'll go, okay, close my eyes, turn toward, what do you want me to know? I'm here for you. It's just like I did with, like, with Farrell Michelle. It's the same kind of thing. Yeah. Like, Who's here? What do you want me to know? You know, I'm here and I'm, I'm happy to talk to you. I want to know you. What do you need from me? Um, you matter. You know, and I just work with that part. They just want to be heard. They're trying to, to, to protect us and keep us safe. So when I started yeah. doing that, my, my inner dialogue started to change. And that's then yeah. when the self-love started happening. It almost is like I backed into it. I'm like, why am I being so positive? Like, I think I might love myself. <laughs> like, it was like a surprise. It's kind of crazy. You're like, oh, holy shit, do I love me? What? Yeah, that's how it was. I was like, what is going on here? Yeah. Yeah. And I think so often we have to, when we're on different types of healing journeys, we have to look at things that come up instead of being like, oh, I'm so frustrated that like this is happening or why is it happening like this? Look at it as like an investigator. Like, oh, what is this trying to teach me? What lesson is this trying to give me? What insight could this be bringing so that I can figure out my next few steps? And when you can look at it like that, there's so much more to learn and you will grow so much faster it's it's a really big game changer when you can shift the perspective in that sense. It's huge to change your 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 perspective, no doubt about it. It changes it's a game changer for your whole life. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Michelle, this has been so great. Thank you so much for all this goodness. Can you tell everybody where they can find you if they want to get more info on the adult chair, all the things? Yeah. So of course I'm on Instagram at Michelle Shelfont and also on Facebook. You can really find everything out at theadultchair.com. That's all it is. But I wanted to share with your audience. I was thinking about this when we were talking about the inner child. I have a free inner child resource. It's oh, two amazing. meditations. Yeah, people love these things. It's um two resources, excuse me, two, two meditations. They're guided meditations to take you to connect with and bond with your inner child. So if you don't know how to do it, and even if you do, people love these. One is on reprogramming negative thinking and thoughts. So, love that yeah so there are two meditations and then four journaling prompts really help you to learn how to connect with your child that's just at the adultchair.com forward slash inner child but everything else is just at the adultchair.com and you can find out everything at all about me and the model and how to get involved oh my god amazing i'm gonna go do those two meditations so thank yeah. you for that free gift i love that thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your incredible wisdom it has been such a fucking pleasure to have you here thank you thanks so much for having me it's always fun with you my dear I want to thank Michelle so very much for coming on and sharing all of that incredible knowledge with us. I, for one, will be taking her up on the free meditation gifts. I cannot wait to do those inner child ones big time. All right, we are going to take a turn now and jump into some of your FML stories. Here we go. Hey, Gabrielle. This FML story is when I was still with my ex-husband. As you know, I own and run my own photography business. It's been my passion since I was 14. My ex was fully supportive of the business and even helped me get to where I am today, until he flipped a switch. He started saying things like, you wouldn't be successful without me, which is not true because my business has grown so much since I have left him. He also said I was choosing photography over him. Like, dude, this is my career. I get that he was my husband, but when I'm on the job, I can't just run to his every need. One day he decided to be a douche canoe and steal my camera gear. I looked all over the house for my gear in a panic, and when I couldn't find it, I called him to see if he had seen it. His response? Yeah, I took it and threw it in the lake. I freaked, filled with panic and anxiety. I had a shoot that day, and he knew that. A full-on argument happened, and I was drenched in tears because I thought he had destroyed my career. 
We lived in a small town of 200 people or so, and while I was freaking out and not in my right mind, I drove around to find him. I never did find him, and just when I was about to give up, there it was. My camera gear was lying there in the ditch. Nothing was damaged, and I was so relieved, but still not happy with him. I left him eight months ago, and when I left, I made a vow to myself, and I took that vow too far. I closed myself off from everyone and didn't trust a single soul for a while. But a few weeks ago, I decided to open up, and because I made that decision, I am now in a relationship with someone who respects me and loves me more than anything in this world. Oh my God, I have so much to say about this. First of all, this is one of my FMLers that's in our self-love Facebook group. So thank you for submitting that, girl. Um, We all know that I have my own past with you know, ex-husbands not supporting careers. And I'll never understand why any individual can be so threatened by someone else's success or dreams or passion to try and minimize that. Um, Also, shout out to Casey Campbell for gracing us with the term douche canoe on FML Talk because that made me fucking laugh. And it really my jaw dropped when you when he sent the text saying yeah i took it and threw it in the lake because that's like destruction of property and is crossing a massive fucking line and i swear it never surprises me in these stories the lengths that people go to to hurt someone else like can't we all just be good fucking people for a little bit and like treat each other with kindness i it's you know The audacity never ceases to amaze me. Thank you for submitting that, girl. And I am so happy that you unclosed those walls and that you have met someone and how happy you are has made my soul happy. As always, make sure you guys are subscribed so you never miss an episode. Keep up with us on Instagram at FML Talk Podcast. If you would like to watch all of the episodes live in studio, you can go to youtube.com slash FML Talk. And if you need more bonus footage from FML Talk, there are five seasons of mini bonus episodes that you can binge at your leisure on patreon.com slash FML Talk. As always, have a self-love or self-worth cocktail on me. Cheers. Welcome to As a Woman, Fertility Hormones and Beyond. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie Crawford, and I am a fertility physician and co-founder of Fora Fertility in Austin, Texas. We will talk about a wide range of topics, including the menstrual cycle, your hormones, infertility, IVF, mental health, and well, beyond. So join us and become part of the community of collaboration that amplifies others as a woman. This podcast has been brought to you by Podcast Nation.